live on 106.1 FM every Saturday 4 to 6 p.m. Jagat Dinkar and Subodh welcome you on the best talk show in Houston, Texas. When you talk, everyone listens. This is Open Forum. FM every Saturday 4 to 6 p.m. Jagat Dinkar and Subodh welcome you on the best talk show in Houston, Texas. When you talk, everyone listens. This is Open Forum. Folks, welcome back to Open Forum on 103.5 FM, Hum FM, radio.com in Houston. Hot Houston, as I call it, in Texas. Summer is absolutely upon us, Jagat Bhai. How are you doing, us. sir? I'm doing great. You're doing good. I missed you last week. I we know. had a great show last yeah, week. Yeah. We had some family engagement last week, so I just couldn't make it. Fantastic. That's and, what happened. And Dinkar Bhai but was there. But you know, there. even though we are in month of, uh, uh, almost uh, end of May, mm-hmm. but we are still having a wonderful uh, morning. Morning and evening, yes, right. yes. You know, because I go out for a walk in the morning, yes, and it's so pleasant in the morning. It sure is. It yeah. sure is. And uh, folks, thank you for tuning in to Open Forum every Saturday at 4 p.m. We are proud to announce that this is our 23rd year that we've been doing this radio program. Dinkar, our original host, is in the studio today. Smriti is in India. Oh, sorry, I take it back. She is in France right now. And Jagat Bhai, you're back from Dallas, so thank you. Uh, for coming back into the studio. We have a very important person in the studio. One of the countries that have been has been in the news for the last several every years. Every single day, every single hour of the day. It, it, it's <laughs> definitely the last couple of years it's really taken, uh, come back into the news. Uh, a country that is very old has seen a lot of upheavals. A lot of people, just like India, Jagadai, if you remember, India has a very long, old history. Yes. People have invaded India, divided India, united India, tried to divide India again, and tried to unite India again. And now it's one of the strongest countries right. in the world. Right. And I'm talking of a country that is the second largest in Europe, just second to Russia. A population of 43 million people, right. a size slightly less than Texas, it's called Ukraine. Ukraine. Ukraine has yeah. been in the news for the last several years. Right. For the last two years. Uh, maybe 80 years where right. it really came into the news. And But the last two years, because of the invasion from Russia, it has really been thrown into that news limelight. Absolutely. Um, yeah. it's not that we want to hear about the deaths. We don't want to hear about invasions. We are a yeah. peaceful uh, you know, group of people. But it's amazing what's going on in Ukraine. And yeah. we are in the, uh, absolutely delighted to have the Consul General of Ukraine in our midst out here right. in the studio. And his name is Vitali. And I'm going to kill the last name. So I'm going to tell, let you tell us the last name, sir. Vitali is your first name. And the Hello, everybody. Uh, 
Well, it's uh, my pleasure to be here today with all of you. Yes. My name is Vitsali Tarasyuk. I'm Consul General of Ukraine, based here in Houston, Texas. Tarasyuk. That's yes, the way to pronounce it. Tarasyuk. Yes. Tarasyuk. Yes. Okay. CG of Ukraine in Houston, appointed as CG of Ukraine in December of 2021, with a consular district that covers the territories of seven U.S. states, Arkansas, Colorado, Louisiana, Mississippi, New Mexico, Oklahoma, and the great state of... Texas. Texas. Right. Yeah. There you go. From March 2020 to December 2021, sir, you were the Deputy Director General of the America's Department at the Ministry for Foreign Affairs of Ukraine and were responsible for bilateral cooperation with the United States of America and Canada. And if I look at your CV, the whole program will go just reading your <laughs> CV. So I'm going to actually let you summarize. I would want to say that you know, you, your education is stellar. You graduated from Kiev, the National Economic University, majoring in international economics, which is very intriguing to me, how people do international law, international economics, and then get into the international scene as diplomats, and, and that's amazing. And you received a master's degree in international economics with specialization in international investment management. And, of course, you do tell us that you're married and you have two children. Congratulations and welcome to Houston and definitely welcome to Open Forum in this beautiful studio. Thank you for coming. Thank you so much for having me. Tell me about what did I miss between your education and then when you were dealing with the U.S. and Canada right. as the deputy yeah. director. Fill in the gaps. You've been to all over this you know, entire world. And there's so many things that I cannot even do justice if I read that CV. I'd like to hear it from you, sir. Thank you. I mean, I'm a career diplomat. I was posted uh, before twice to the United States. I worked in our embassy in Washington. And uh, I also worked... Uh, uh, in our embassy in London, uh, in the United Kingdom. So three postings, but also um, in between, in Ukraine, I held different positions. I worked at the Cabinet of Ministers as advisor to the Prime Minister on European and Euro-Atlantic integration. I worked as a diplomatic advisor to the Minister of Finance and mm -hmm. advising Minister of Finance on all international relations, specifically with international financial institutions. Wow. Because back in the uh, Washington in the U.S., I worked a lot with IMF and World Bank institutions, so also specialized on energy issues back in Washington, on, wow. on political issues there. That is amazing. I mean, amazing. you've got a great background. Definitely your education helped you with, with, with the economics that you mastered in, and that's amazing. You are a young guy. Not so young guy. Yes, just, uh, you I think you're a young, young guy. You what, I'd like, young. what I'd like to know, you know, as, as we talked earlier, Ukraine has gone through upheavals for many, many years, eight decades at least, when Russia came into, uh, into that satellite, into the picture of Ukraine. And what, at what part of that upheaval in the last 80 years were you born in the sense? You've seen a lot of presidents, you've seen a lot of invasions, you've seen... Then, then being liberated, etc. At what era were you born where you realized that, oh my lord, this is a beautiful country, a lot of people are taking advantage of this country? Also, also include uh, the, the, the Russian Revolution of 1917, uh, when the Tsars were thrown out, and Lenin basically took it over and became a Soviet Union at that time. Uh, the history of Ukraine at that time, uh, was it an independent country or was it part of Russia or Soviet Union at that time? How you became part of Soviet Union? Was it a forced uh, integration uh, on th those kind of things? Thank you. Thank you for those questions. If we start from history, I think, you know, we should start earlier than that. Okay. Yes. Earlier than the Soviet Union, definitely. Because Ukraine uh, was a very big European state in the 11th century. It was one of the biggest, one of the most prominent states in Europe. Most of uh, European, uh, you know, like uh, daughters of kings and queens, mm -hmm. they tend, uh, tended to marry with uh, Ukrainian princesses. Hmm. That's why, I mean, uh, the princess of uh, France, Queen Anna, mm -hmm. uh, is basically the one who gave uh, birth to the whole line of French kings. And all French people know that all French kings have Ukrainian blood. And there wow. is a monument in Paris devoted to her. Everybody knows her, like Queen Anne of Kiev. Mm -hmm. And so, 
He was a very prosperous back then, uh, and then it was. Uh, by the way, Russia was not even did not exist. Did right. not exist. Did right. not exist because Moscow, uh, you know, was not yet formed. Right. Uh, some of the uh, Ukrainian territories later, you know, became part of Russia, but back then they didn't exist. So then Ukraine was uh, occupied by the. Mongols and mm-hmm. Tatars, and that caused a great devastation. Right. Well. Um, so after that, we were part of uh, you know different states. We were in unity together with uh, Lithuania and Poland, formed one state. Then there is a big part of our history that's in the 15th century when there was Cossack state. Mm-hmm. Right. That's also like a. Revival and fight Ukrainians fight to regain its independence as a sovereign state. We fought with uh, uh, Polish uh, king back then, also with the Crimean Tatars, and then I mean, if just put everything like in a nutshell, you know, when the first union between Ukraine and Russia was formed, mm-hmm. that's you know after those wars. Uh, Cossack Wars, and when we right. had the Cossack state, that we're talking about 1650, right. about that time. And so, then, I mean, different Ukraine, uh, different Russian uh, uh, rulers, you know, Tsars and uh, Queens, they wanted to uh, basically eliminate all of those dissent, all of those uh, Cossack independent spirit uh, that Ukrainians have always had. Mm-hmm. And uh, from I think you know that point, we may say that the struggle between Ukraine and Russia actually started because they didn't want us to remain an independent nation mm-hmm. with uh, right. uh, you know, desire to be unique and uh, you know to be on our own. That's that's where we should uh, you know start all of those uh, discussions. So, but later Fantastic. on, I mean, we were part of the uh, Russian Empire. But also, I think, you know, one interesting fact that many, possibly not many people know is that uh, Peter the Great actually uh, stole the name uh, from Ukraine because Ukraine was called Kievan Rus. Mm-hmm. Oh. That's yeah. the official name of Ukraine back then before Peter the Great. And Russian state back then was called Moscovia, right? With the capital Moscow, mm-hmm. right? Right. But so, it's still known as Moscovia, though, right? Yeah, it's I a mean, city uh, itself. Well, I mean, uh, Moscow is the capital. But right. They after Peter the Great, they did the so-called rebranding, right? So right. they because we were part of the empire, so they stole Ukrainian name and renamed the country to mm. become to 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 appear a bit more ancient and yeah. older. Uh, then they really are, no, and then yeah. they were. So that what happened. So even the the name Russians does not belong to them. Right. I mean, uh, because it used to be like as I said, Kiev and Rus. Yeah. Fox, so you're you're li- still, uh, Fox, you're listening to Open Forum. Uh, uh, amongst us today in the studio is a very important person. He's a consul general of uh, Ukraine in Houston, uh, Vitali Tarasuk, who we're going to be uh, uh, interviewing for this next hour. Go ahead, Jagadbhai. You have oh. a question? Because I was going to throw a question if you don't have one. No, I have one. I okay. the, you t- talked about the history and all these things. And since the uh, perestroika uh, time, you know, and after 1991, all of a sudden, Soviet Union, as it was used to be known, you know, completely collapsed. And subsequently, a lot of countries became an independent country, including uh, uh, Ukraine at that time. So talk about that period and from that Period on, then we'll continue. Sure, but I mean, if you just allow me briefly, right. I will tell you another important example just to show you that even during Soviet time, uh, the uh, Moscow was trying to uh, destroy Ukraine as a nation. Just briefly, uh, because it's important. It's a it's a big uh, event in our history. It's called the Great Famine, the mm-hmm. Holodomor. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I mean, Stalin and his associates back then they 
uh, on purpose, uh, you know, took away all of the grain from the peasants, from all of the people, right. and then put uh, army around those villages so that they could not leave. And uh, they stuffed to death to def- different estimates from six to ten million people. Wow. So. It by many nations recognized as a genocide of mm-hmm. Ukraine. That's in 1932-1933. So also just to show you that the you know uh, atrocities, attempts yeah. attempts to yeah. destroy the nation, those atrocities, they mm-hmm. have longer history yeah. than only just happening now. So it's just a, to put you right. all in a perspective of Absolutely. where we are. It's but coming, exactly right. Go on. Yeah. But Go coming on. back yes. to your question, 1991. I mean, of course. Also, I think you know. Uh, about the Ukrainian spirit, I think also important uh, right. uh, to recognize uh, uh, because you know, look, when Russia invaded Ukraine, right? So I don't want to jump like to this. We'll talk yeah. about the uh, beginning of regaining independence in 1991, but mm-hmm. still on Soviet uh, period. Just to show you, uh, Ukraine's uh, you know desire to be free and our readiness to fight for that. I will just give you one example. So after the end of the Second World War, Ukrainian freedom fighters were still fighting for Ukraine independence for almost 10 years Mm -hmm. with the whole Soviet Union. Mm -hmm. Soviet Union could not... So resistance fighting within the Soviet Union, especially in the Western Ukraine, continued until 1954. That's when they were, you know, finally, you know, all killed and destroyed by the KGB uh, of uh, of Moscow. Mm-hmm. But so, just to tell you that, without any resources, without any support, uh, Ukrainians were, you know, fighting for almost ten years with the whole Soviet Union. So, just to show you the determination of Ukrainians to fight for right. our freedom. But coming back, I mean, 1991, of course, when the uh, Soviet Union collapsed, we were one of the first countries also to have a referenda. And uh, people, I think, you know, 91% uh, in Ukraine voted in that referenda, the, you know, for Ukraine to become again uh, independent, independent country. country. Right. Of course, I mean, it was difficult, difficult time, uh, you know, when uh, you're in Soviet Union, everything was interconnected mm-hmm. and all of the economies were destroyed, basically, Correct. after the collapse. Right. And so it was difficult time during those 30 years that followed. And, uh, well, but Ukraine was always on the course of um, becoming, uh, uh, you know, a true member of uh, European uh, family. Right. And uh, we were doing like a lot of also reforms, you know, depending on, you know, the speed was, of course, determined by different, you know, leaders of that time, sometimes faster, sometimes slower. Uh, We also experienced actually two uh, revolutions Mm -hmm. uh, inside Ukraine. That's how we call it. First one was Orange Revolution in 2004. And the, the, the latest was the Revolution of Dignity. That Is that the Euromaidan? Euromaidan, yes, yeah. that's 2013, 2014. Right, right. Yes. So the first one was caused by the people's outrage by the rigging of the elections in Ukraine. And they were rigged in favor of a pro-Russian candidate. Right. Uh, right. One of the candidates, pro-Ukrainian one, if just to put it in the simple terms, was also poisoned uh, you know, during those elections. So people you know, went out to the streets to protest that mm-hmm. and were protesting that, I mean, during wintertime where right. it's very cold, cold in Ukraine. Yeah. But also the second revolution of dignity happened uh, when the pro-Russian president refused to sign an association agreement with the European Union mm-hmm. that he actually promised when uh, people voted for him. And so that was an also outrage because that's where we see ourselves mm-hmm. as a member of uh, mm-hmm. European uh, Union, as right. a true you know, partner for European nations. Right. You know, before the world, Second World War, around that time, German invaded Ukraine. And there was, again, a lot of killing, especially the Jews in Ukraine. A lot of them were c- killed. That's and true. then came the Russians when, uh, when the Germans either withdrew or when they lost. Then the Russians came and took over again. So there's, a, there's been so much upheaval 
Finally, there was some peace last three or four years ago, and boom, two years, uh, was it last year? Last year, in January, with all the amassing of the troops around Ukraine, especially the south and the east area, northeast area, and boom, they came. I mean, look. They came, a big invasion, yeah. a, a David and Goliath type of an invasion yes. where we see what's going on now. Yeah, true. But I mean, uh, coming back to the Second World War, yeah, I mean, Ukraine suffered a lot. I mean, first, when uh, the Nazi Germany mm-hmm. was attacking, so because we are, you know, possibly, I mean, back that time, I mean, the most western part of the Soviet Union, mm-hmm. right? So they were attacking, you know, invading from the west, right. and so so a lot of fighting was happening First, on yeah. Ukraine's territory. Yeah. And when, I mean, the Soviet Union was fighting back also, I mean, right. all of those fights were happening on, right. on our territory. And you are absolutely right. So, uh, Nazi Germany killed a lot of uh, people, I mean, during the Second World War in general, mm-hmm. but also they killed specifically a lot of Jewish people in Ukraine. We have uh, Babi Yar, a famous you know, uh, uh, burial place where they were killed. Altogether, I think the number of people that were uh, Jewish people that were killed uh, in Ukraine is about uh, six million people mm-hmm. only in wow. Ukraine. So, I mean, you can imagine. I yeah. think you know the statistics says that every fourth or fifth Jewish people killed during the Holocaust What's came from, from Ukraine. Oh my wow. God! Okay. So I mean, that's you know yeah. tells you yeah. the well, the magnitude and the numbers think, of all of those atrocities. I think the war really started not about uh, two years back when Russia really invaded. Uh, it's Ukraine, been there before it, that. It started uh, when they literally took over the Crimea Peninsula. Right. Uh, You're right. From yes. uh, uh, from Ukraine. Right. So you know, and even since some of the areas, you know, Banstad area and other right. areas on the southeast and east side, right. you know, it's pretty much controlled by Russia at this time. Right. And this is, I mean, they've been trying to take uh, back Crimea uh, for a long time, and that particular part of Crimea. And so far, you know, hopefully they would succeed now that Russia. Uh, attacked, started attacking Crimea. So with the all help coming from the West side, Western European countries, including America right. and Canada, hopefully they can revert back and push it back and including Crimea that belongs to uh, uh, Ukraine can come back to Ukraine. Yes. Folks, you you're listening. Make a comment on it? Folks, Definitely. you're listening to Open Forum, a number out here. If you want to join in this conversation, we're talking to our Consul General of Ukraine in Houston, Mr. Vitaly Tarasuek. He is here in the studio till about 5 o'clock. Our number out here, if you want to join in and ask him questions or just you know talk to him, is 1-888-749-1035. Let's talk about what Jagat just asked. Yes. But after that, I want to talk about Ukraine, the culture, the economy. The uh, uh, Ukraine has the biggest sunflower seeds produced in the world. One of the largest the, producer of wheat. Of wheat. So let's talk all the okay. positives also and then because what we're going through in Ukraine today is very gloomy with, with the Russian invasion. However, there's a beautiful picture also to paint and we want to hear that side too. Of course, definitely. But I mean, you, I just want to echo uh, uh, into what's just been said. Uh, you know, you're exactly right. Because uh, Russia um, first invaded Ukraine in 2014 with the attempted annexation of Crimea and then occupying parts of our eastern uh, regions of Ukraine in the Donetsk, uh, Donbass region and Lugansk. That's where we're talking about 2014. So since basically 2014, we are in war, at war war with Russia, but um, uh, in the beginning, of course, it was a very hard war, but then, I mean, it was like possibly on a low simmer comparing to what's happening right now. So definitely, but in February last year, February 24th, I mean, they attacked the whole country and we're planning to occupy the whole Ukraine actually plan to do that within three days mm-hmm. uh, they even had the you know uh, military bands with them for the parade uh, in the center of the Kiev but they were on on so yes. many so right. many so many issues uh, we've proved everybody that we're not just able to defend ourselves but we're Brain. capable yeah. of winning this war Actually, and we will right. and Actually, we'll definitely the occupy admires the, the, the whole country attitude of ukrainian just to fight such a huge army right. uh, you know uh, with ukraine army you know initially there was no help coming from any country right 
But subsequently, every country realized that hey, it's about time that we need to start pouring some. You know, some, yeah, and, so. and the big, the best picture that we saw coming out of Ukraine was the president himself, Zelensky. Right. You know, saying that I'm here, I'm, here. I'm not leaving, I'm not leaving. and we're going to fight. And that I think shook the world in right. a good way, yeah. and shook Russia in a really bad way. And I, you see what, what happened after that. What a change of image, you know. Yeah. I mean, I just we just could not believe it. His previous life. And his present life as president of of Ukraine. It's right. just it's just day and night. It's just unbelievable. Right. Thank you. I mean, uh, just to echo what you just said, I mean, the most famous phrase, I think, of President Delensky at the time when Russians were around the capital, uh, very close to the center, and uh, he was offered uh, to leave the country right. by U.S., and he replied that, I don't need a right, I need ammunition. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's his famous that everybody is quoting. Yeah. But about the... Russia and about like being the second biggest uh, army in the world. I mean, right now they are the second best army in Ukraine, not in the world. So after the well invasion, said. Well said. Yeah. Well yeah. Said. yeah, you know, again, yeah. uh, Jagatbai and Dunker, I, I, you just imagine. Um, you know, it's been touted as one of the best armies in the world with the most, right. uh, you know, sophisticated right. equipment, etc., etc., etc. But the 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 you know road meets the rubber when there are challenges of course and what happened what we saw was what yeah. you're saying sir that they boasted in three days will be on the other side right. of the coast didn't happen it, it did happen. not happen in fact they were pushed back many times so it brings a question are they really the best army in the world of course they are a not, nuclear right. power all right we right. know that yeah and you know the consequences of that right it's devastating right but when it comes to the combat on the ground yeah are they really the best? Well, it, you're you know, talking about nuclear. As a matter of fact, Chernobyl happens to be... We were going to ask those questions also. In, in Ukraine yes. also. Yes. So. But I'm going to let you... Yes, yeah. thank you. I mean, definitely the answer to your question is definitely not. And uh, it definitely shows that the whole world overestimated... Uh, Russia's military potential and underestimated Ukraine's potential and Ukraine's willingness to fight and defend itself. So that's number one. Number two, I would say that Ukrainians fight basically demonstrates the superiority of uh, NATO military kit uh, against Russian military kit. In so many levels, and you can see, like, uh, even as we speak, Russia tries to shell Ukraine uh, residential areas, uh, major cities, with um, supersonic ballistic missiles called Kinjal. Or, mm-hmm. So, the one that they label that it's not possible to shoot them down, but we are shooting all of them down with actually the Patriot systems yes. that are on the market for a long time already. Right. And, and we just and received were, a couple of uh, batteries yes, yes. and we're able to shoot their best rockets with Patriots. And, Yesterday's and only it happened that 16 of those rockets that he's talking yes, about. I saw those pictures. Yeah, that, That's amazing. Were, all 16 of them were shot down. And the other thing that happened is uh, Mr. Biden just gave F-16s right. and the training to Ukraine. It's coming that from Europe, and uh, they're going to come from right, there. Right, but it's still they belong. We yes. made those F-16s. Yes, we made. And they're those going to be coming out there, and that's going to change the right. air power because right. on the ground, as we see what's happening, they can be pushed back. But right. they do have a lot of sophistication in their armament. But this F-16 okay. will change right. the air power. So this is what I'm going to say. From say 1991, it. Ukraine became a democratic country. Yeah, the neighbor Belarus. It never became a democratic country. It's still run by a, a kind of a dictator, you know, autocracy mm-hmm. under the power of Russia. Russia. Okay? And that is the by reason... By proxy. It's Russia by the, proxy. That's uh, Russia, right. Yeah. But that is the reason that the Ukrainians are fighting because of the democracy. If, if Ukraine had the same kind of leadership, I don't think people would have fought for it. Exactly. And, 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 and that uh, is the, 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 the beauty of having a democratic country in any part of the world. Right. And, and you know, obviously, with uh, him telling us, us reading the history, you know they want to be part of the EU. Right. And, and, and that's where the line has been drawn by Russia. Right. They don't want that happening. Right. They don't want that NATO right. to increase its, uh, you know, nations yeah. and hence be a big challenge yeah. to the Russians. I mean, we are seeing that. In China, we're right. seeing China is trying to put itself into the superpower, yeah. you know, Everest, Mount Everest. Right. And so is Russia. And they're trying to bully a lot of other countries. And here is a country, yes, it's the second largest, it's got 43 million, 
but yet in its armament it's not superior to russia of course but it's yeah. in in its courage right. and determination Absolutely. and resilience right. it looks like yeah. 10 times fold resistant because we've seen yeah. russian soldiers right. run away right. or give up to the ukrainian yeah. forces and say we want to no, don't want anything because in this war because it was a force war on the russian soldiers possibly and i want you right. to yes, comment thank on that you so much yeah. what you're exactly happened? you're exactly right i mean uh, first i think i comment on nato because russia's uh, propaganda saying that i mean they just don't want nato expansion and that's why they attacked ukraine is a, you know it's a bs i'm yeah. sorry being on the radio because you see what happened after the russian invasion of ukraine finland became the member of NATO already. Right. Mm -hmm. The country, they didn't plan to do that. But right. with Russia's invasion of Ukraine, they applied and were accepted. And Sweden is the next one. Yeah. And Finland is on the border with Russia. They right. have the right. same border, right? right? So, I mean, uh, uh, on the other hand, Russia's invasion of Ukraine just moved NATO closer to Russia. Right. So, I mean, that's, that's all propaganda. They use it, you know, whenever you hear them say anything, unfortunately, it's most likely it's not true i mean because all of that they put you know for the public display mm -hmm. uh, is calculated specifically to influence somebody or someone or some group that's how their uh, media works uh, but uh, you are exactly right i mean our goal is to become a member of european union that's where we are moving and actually on uh, we were invaded by russia on february 24th and on February 28th, the last day of February, we actually officially applied for membership, membership mm -hmm. in uh, in European Union. And a couple of months later, we were granted the official status of a country candidate. Mm -hmm. So that's where we are right now. So we are moving closer and closer, fulfilling all of the necessary, uh, you know, things, doing reforms in Ukraine necessary for joining European Union, even during the war, despite right. the war. But at the same time, we also applied for membership uh, in NATO. Mm -hmm. And we are expecting that uh, the next summit of NATO countries that will happen this June in Vilnius in Lithuania will have some concrete uh, decisions mm -hmm. about our movement towards NATO. Right. Publicly, uh, half of the members of the NATO officially said that they support Ukraine joining NATO. Mm -hmm. A lot of people ask me, you know, what I mean if you join NATO, does it mean then that the NATO will have to, you know, Protect fight with Russia? Fight, yeah. So, I mean, we answer, so by the time we uh, enter NATO, uh, the war with Russia will be long over. Because we understand that this is the process. It will not happen overnight. Mm -hmm. It should happen soon, because this is the best security guarantee that Ukraine can have. Right. Uh, you know, for possible any further attacks right. by this current Russian president or whoever comes after Later, him. Yeah. So the best security, right. long-term security, is membership in NATO. And you, Jagat Bhai, the, yeah. for EU, your, uh, the European countries in the Union, for them, this would be the best buffer they can have between Absolutely. Russia and all the other countries well, on the, the West Finland side. also, for that matter. But they've already done it. Yeah. yeah so, so it's going to be an amazing... So let me, let me ask you this question, and then we'll go to the economy and... Sure. Yes, and the, we want to hear the right. good culture... Of Course. The good food Coming and hospitality. Coming yes. yes. There is a, another school of thought out there that this war would not have happened if you had agreed for a 10-year uh, 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 period of moratorium of not joining NATO at that time and Russia would not have attacked. How valid this point is and how do you counterattack this point? No, I think I already answered that in my comment on NATO because Russia's invasion of Ukraine has nothing zero to do with NATO. It's about completely different things. It's not about NATO. It's about for them restoring the empire. Right. About, about for them to eliminate in Ukraine as a nation. Yeah. Because what we see what's happening is a genocide again against Ukrainians. Because, I mean, they stole our history once and, uh, you know, they want to do it again. I mean, that's all about that. That's, NATO doesn't have to do anything about it. And, and the you know, yeah. example of Finland and Sweden shows you exactly that is, this is not about NATO. Right. What was Russia's reaction to Finland joining? Nothing. 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 
Yeah. The same about Sweden. And this, so is, this, is, this is the folly of uh, uh, Putin. That he wants to create a Russian Empire or a Soviet Union, formerly uh, known as even bigger it than is that. Not, it is not going to happen simply because, except Belarus at this time, there is not a single country that wants to join with Russia. Yes, definitely. That, you're you exactly know. right. But including, it, it including Moldova, which is the smallest of this yeah. country, okay? Mm -hmm. But it will not happen it will because not happen. we will not let it happen. Right. Because Ukraine will defend itself yeah. and will defend all our other neighbors in European countries. Because, look, right now, Ukraine has the biggest, the most trained, the most experienced, the most capable army in Europe. And it will remain so after our victory. Yeah. So, Ukrainian army is the best investment uh, in Ukrainian long-term uh, security. Right. Well, we're going to take a right. caller out here. Uh, folks, you're listening to Open Forum. Our number out here, if you want to join us, is one eight 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 seven three seven four nine one zero three five. One eight 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 seven four nine one zero three five. I request all the callers to put their um, radios completely off because we get a back um, echo out here. So uh, let's talk to Mr. Daniel. Mr. Daniel, you are talking to Mr. Vitali Tarasuik, who is um, the Consul General of Ukraine, uh, stationed in Houston. He is a diplomat who's uh, traveled all over the world, and we are lucky that he's in Houston because we find him to be a very friendly and a nice guy. So <laughs> let's see what your question is, Daniel. Go ahead. Okay. With all the support of the U.S., the mighty support of the U.S., and all the NATO allies, and all uh, moral support from almost all over the world, why Ukraine is not winning the war? With all the support, he says, right. why is Ukraine not winning the war? That's his comment. Thank you for your question, but I mean, we are. We are winning this war. The statistics that, I mean, I can give you right now is that since the invasion, Russia uh, already lost 200,000 soldiers dead. I mean, look at the statistics. I mean, Soviet Union, when fighting uh, in uh, Afghanistan during more than 10 years, lost about 15,000. Mm -hmm. right. United States... Uh, uh, during 20 years in Vietnam, lost about 56,000 people. So you can see the statistics in Ukraine. This is a very hard war. Yeah. I mean, and when you see the casualties like this, 200,000, right? So you should also multiply this number at least by three. Mm -hmm. That's how many people are wounded and out of the battlefield. So how many did Ukraine lose? Well, I mean, we're losing ten times, you know, less than we don't. Okay. The, the official uh, numbers are not public, but I can tell you, it's at least you know, depending on where we fight. Yeah. In different areas, there's the different like uh, right. statistics, but overall, much, much, much less. Okay. And also about the why, you know. Uh, after the invasion, we already deoccupied of what's been invaded in February 24th, more than 50% of the territory that was occupied. Mm -hmm. This is definitely winning. And right now, when Ukrainian no, army no, no, was no, trained... Let me... Hey, hey, Daniel. Daniel, this is Jagat. Uh, let me ask you a question. Uh, you, uh, you, look, your question was that why Ukraine is not winning. Let me put it this way. When Russia attacked Ukraine... No country was helping Ukraine at that time. And they, they literally held their territory uh, for at least three weeks before the, uh, any help started coming in. So why was uh, Russia was not able to just run over Ukraine at that time? And uh, Jagadbhai, just before he answers that question, I, I just want to throw a little perspective out here. Uh, uh, Daniel, just wait your turn now, okay? The perspective is such that you have a mighty country, probably three times or four times the size of Ukraine, Correct. a mighty army, exactly with a lot of stuff. We would have thought that Russia would have won long ago right. if you put statistics together. But again, it was the resilience, the determination. Right. And I agree with the CG out here right. that it is not that Ukraine has stalled the war. I think they won it, right. but they cannot show it territorially what completely it, what it tells and us. with with other people joining in indirectly of yeah. course i think russia is on 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 a call right now that right. look we better do something 
and and the problem with Russia right now is they don't know how to withdraw gracefully. Right. It is a it's a black always a question. Uh, you know, dhabba as we call it in Hindi on the face. How do we now yeah. gracefully lose this war and yet claim we never lost the war? Right. So I'll let Daniel talk yeah. about that. You're talking about a David and Goliath here, and you see the big guy is still stuck where he was 18 months ago. Go ahead, Daniel. I'll give you. One minute to talk now. Uh, all right, okay. You cannot combat the Vietnam situation, Afghanistan situation with the Ukraine. Because those are totally, entirely different contexts. Right. Okay. Okay. Because in Vietnam, there are two there are people who are supporting the communists. Okay. The North Vietnam. Okay. In Afghanistan, the tribal leaders, they were different. So you cannot make a comparison between Afghanistan, Vietnam, and Ukraine. There's an entirely different mm. context for it. Right. But the question that I asked you about for three weeks... No, no, no. You said, you said uh, the reason is, you know, uh, Ukraine is something else. No, no, no. Daniel, you, you get your thoughts together and, and come back. Jagat, what, what is your comment? Say that, Jagat. No, what I was asking is the Ukraine, without any help from the Western countries at that time, they still were holding their territories uh, as much as that they can for about three weeks before the... the Maybe three weeks. I, I may not be right on three weeks. Uh, maybe more, maybe less. But they were holding their territories pretty good, even with the mighty uh, Russian army. So you just cannot say that the you know the, the Ukraine did not really fight. Russia, Russia, Ukraine were fighting all the time uh, under the leadership of Zelensky, and they proved their mettle. And that is how the European Union and and the West, Western, uh, the, the America and Canada started pouring in the help. I think the definition of winning a war is very difficult sometimes in wars exactly. like this. You see, right. they have proxy war through uh, Crimea for a long, long time. Correct. Right? A proxy war from Northwest for a long, long yeah. time. Is that war over? No, that's yeah. not over yet. It's going to continue for a long time. Yeah. But the main war where they want you to come all t yeah. all the way to the west side right. of, the, of the country... Yeah. It's a, it's a dream. Well, it, 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 they, it's not yeah. anywhere close to that. Yeah, they like, couldn't even come yeah. to the capital and were pushed yeah. all the way back. They have more right. personnel. They have more equipment. And yet, they couldn't put a little dent so in I'm there. As you, relative to 43 million people. I'm going to ask you a last question about Crimea Peninsula. Sure. That Khrushchev was the one that who gave uh, Crimea Peninsula back to Ukraine, even though Ukraine was part of USSR at this time. And now... Putin claims that that belongs to us. You know, it was never part of Ukraine. Uh, because there was, uh, particularly in Crimea Peninsula, in Second World War, mm -hmm. uh, the, the leaders of the Stalin, Churchill, and, and uh, FDR, right. they met in Ukraine, I mean, in Crimea Peninsula right. uh, for the war. And they came to an agreement in that uh, peninsula right there. So you want to talk about that? I mean, look, I mean, it's easy. It was all part of uh, Soviet Union back right. then. And, I mean, if, if we go, like, back about, you know, what nations were populating Crimea, like, long ago, I mean, there were Greek settlements in the beginning, then there were Crimean Tatars that were actually, you know, there was also a genocide by Stalin against them that he resettled all of them from Crimea during the 1943-1944 to Siberia and other places. And then, I mean, after the, after the war, after the Second World War, you know, officially it was moved, uh, you know, to Ukraine, but it was done not for any political reasons. It was done because Ukrainian Dnipro River was, uh, you know, going to Crimea and to help with irrigation and everything. Because if you look at the map, right, where Crimea is, it's right. just, you mm -hmm. know, beneath, you know, the whole country right. and territory of Ukraine, where Russia is, right. territory, you know, completely far away. Okay. Right. It didn't make any economic right. sense. Right. Yes. Folks, okay, you're listening to Open to, Forum. Yeah. Our number is one eight 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 seven four nine one zero three five one eight 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 seven four nine. 1035. I don't know why we have such a complicated number, but I'll say it one more time. 1-888-749-1035. Dinkar had a question. Dinkar, bhai, go ahead. You know, this may be a little bit off what we are talking but about. That's why, that's why we call you Dinkar. You of always course, do that. of course. But, you know, friends are, friendship is tested when the times are tough. So, in your opinion, how do you see India and Ukraine's relationship during this war, because India has always claimed Russians and Indians are brother-brother. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, right? thank you so much. But I mean, right. the, the easiest way to mm-hmm. answer that, mm-hmm. I mean, you look how India votes in the United Nations. And India supported all of the re- re- resolutions in favor of uh, Ukraine and right. ending this war and naming the aggressor and aggressor and voting also for the things like contributions that uh, Russia should pay for the act of aggression against Ukraine. So uh, you can you can see by things like that, I mean, the term, to see where the country stands. Mm-hmm. Uh, so India was supporting from the beginning Ukraine in this. Well, I mean, most all of the countries were. Basically, when the UN resolutions were voted, I think only five countries voted against uh, Russia and some of her proxies. A lot of abstination. Yeah, I mean, yeah. But, uh, but, but those then, are yeah. scared of yes. uh, Russia. Right. Well, economically. But I mean, you know, just only five against. It mm-hmm. tells you a lot. Right. But also, you know, uh, President of uh, Ukraine, uh, Volodymyr Zelensky, just I think what yesterday met with the Prime Minister of India, Mr. Modi, right. yeah. they've yeah. Uh, yeah. had a good discussion at the G7, yeah. at the G7 in yeah. Japan mm-hmm. and had a good discussion. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I would probably will not quote right what uh, Mr. Modi said, bit, but he was, you know, very supportive about, you know, Ukraine uh, and about that Ukraine has all the right to defend its territory and so its territorial integrity. Mm-hmm. But he also talked about humanity, about how inhuman Russia's invasion of Ukraine is because all of those atrocities and war crimes that Russia committed in Ukraine. So they also talked about things like that and the president uh, of Ukraine thanked Mr. Modi for the humanitarian support that India was uh, and is providing to Ukraine at this difficult time. And I think Dinkabai privately that the, the government of India has privately spoken to the government of Russia and privately, not publicly, and shown its discontent about this thing. No war in the world is good. Right, you know that. Right, I mean, right. 200,000 Russians, yeah. 200,000 moms lost their children. 200,000 wives lost their husbands. Yeah. 400,000 children lost their fathers. On both sides, I'm talking about. No war is so well justified that you can sacrifice so many human lives. And hence, I think President Modi, he understands. Any president in the world understands right. war is not good. Right. How do you solve it? Public statements and private statements sometimes don't match for diplomatic reasons, as you know. Yeah. And I, I have a feeling this G7 was good for Zelensky. Yes, yes. He went there. He, he needs support. Hopefully these countries will step up. And if not, if not militarily, you can sit down with the president of Russia as big, big, you know, these are big leaders. They're world leaders. You've got to sit down with the world leader and say, look, we want you to have this, you know, get get this over with. We can India is hosting G20. Yes, it right? is. Right, so it's 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 it, going to happen. It's going to happen. Yes. Yeah, what I'm is going to happen in... Yeah, I will just, you know, maybe yeah. have a small comment about the world leaders. Right. Because, uh, uh, you know, at this point, I think we cannot call the president of Russia Putin a world leader. He is a, you know, world criminal. He's a war criminal right now. Right. Because uh, the, he was indicted by the International Criminal Court in The Hague for the mm-hmm. war crimes in right. Ukraine because Russia, we didn't talk about that, abducted 16,000 children from Ukraine right. oh and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, took them to Russia in a forceful adaptation, re-educational camps. Oh, Lord. And if you look at what uh, the definition of genocide is, that's it. Forceful, you know, movement of uh, you know one group to another, re-education, especially mm-hmm. if it's children, it's you know written in the Convention on the Genocide. So this is a genocide, and so this this is a war criminal, not yeah. not a world, world leader anymore. Folks, you're listening yeah. to Open Forum. You're listening to Open Forum on 103.5 FM, humfmradio.com. We have Mr. Vitali Tarasuk, the Council General of. Uh, Ukraine in Houston. Please put on your headphones. We're going to go to our next caller out here. Uh, my dear friend, Mr. Chatriwala. Sir Chatriwala, how are you doing? Yeah, Mr. Yeah, I'm doing good. But Thank you. Looking for rain. Looking, looking for, for rain. rain. Anyway, if, if we have rain, then you have good business because you sell umbrellas. But it'll <laughs> come. Don't worry. It'll come. It'll come. Uh, I want to introduce okay. you to Mr. Vitali. He's sitting right opposite us and has given us a lot of information. Okay. Whatever is your question or comment, yes. please go ahead, sir. 
so I'm just trying to com- compare the Ukraine war with the when they say genocide. Isn't that same similar thing happened in Bosnia in 90s? And you know the whole world is one side trying to stop Serbians and doing the uh, open genocide and burying, uh, you know, segregating men from women families and and burying them alive. You know, bury them alive. They just had a you know, graves were dug. Where was the whole world? I mean, they, you know, they took so much effort before, you know, a small nation was just... So I think that it, it's the same thing is happening. The whole world is just, you know, putting Watching. all their effort to try to bring peace or the war because look how much U.S. has jumped into, you know, the Ukraine uh, war because it's being on the front line of uh, the NATO, uh, I would say, against uh, Russia. I'm going to stop and listen to you. Well, I mean, I mean, the comment could be only that you are right in terms of that we should always be vigilant. You know, like we recently celebrated, commemorated the, you know, uh, victory, the V-Day in the Second World War. I mean, we were commemorating it for 80 years. What were we saying usually before that? We were saying never again. Never again. But, I mean, what happened now? I mean, it's, it's again the same type of invasion, the same type of war. And uh, in terms of how Russia behaves, how Putin behaves, you know, many, many experts agree, and I agree with them, that, you know, they behave like uh, Nazi Germany in the 40s. They use the same methods, uh, they, they have the same goals, uh, and things like that. Yeah. But that's why, you know, United Nations should be reformed and there is a lot of talk that you know the whole purpose of the united nations uh formed after the second world war was to prevent future wars Mm -hmm. to prevent aggression of one state against another so of course they you know should be more active whenever any aggression or invasion happens that's the whole purpose of this organization and now what what do we have now and one of the founding members uh, you know, the member of the Security Council, Russia, attacks another founding member of the United Nations, Ukraine, because Ukraine was one of the founding members of NATO, of sorry, of uh, UN. Of, uh, of UN. And so, how do you do? How do you you know you know deal with things like that? Mm-hmm. Definitely, a reform uh, needs to be conducted. You know, for now, but also for further possible uh, uh, conflicts and aggressions uh, in the world. And Chatriwal, it's unfortunate all over the world right now. We're seeing some things going on in Sudan. I mean, look at that. Uh, You know, um, how much of... All of a sudden. All of a sudden. Well, it's been brewing, but now it's really taken over. It's simmering, yeah, but it just became... Yeah, Yeah, and and that is sad. I mean, sadly, again, people are going to be displaced, murdered, plundered, raped, sold, bought. I mean, this is starved to death, etc., etc. All over the world, people who, you know, do these things, they are not advancing humanity. Basically, they are advancing uh, something really evil. And I think there's got to be an end to that. I know on Open Forum we can talk about it, but the world leaders out there who really make all these policies and uh, deals need to come together and, and make sure that these things come to an end. Mr. Putin, for example, yes. so is, I, has I, been yeah, a very hardliner uh, Russian for a long, yes. long time, a KGB uh, chief at one time, very hard-handed, etc. And he's running the same way he's running the world now, the country at least. He was working in Berlin. Yes, exactly. Uh, uh, sir, uh, uh, we have about, uh, let's see, five more minutes in this show. I'm going to give you one minute and then we're going to, we want to talk. Uh, some lovely things about Ukraine. I would love to come and visit Ukraine. It's, I don't know if it's uh, if I could go there at this point. You can even now. Even now. So I want to hear about yes. that. But Chatriwala, I'm going to let you go ahead and finish your 15 yeah. seconds. No, hey, no, from one minute, I went to 15 seconds. Go ahead. Yeah. So what happens is now with all the you know boycott, you know the you know what they call boycott, and they just put all kind of restriction. Mm-hmm. Russian oil is cheap oil. India is one of the countries that's buying the cheap oil. Right. Cheap oil, and here we become a. Uh, so, you know, do you think that India is somebody? You know, it's just in a, a, a hypothetical question. How could India come in as a negotiator or, or other country? You know, just an example. 
how could you know they're benefiting from this war and getting cheap oil? Mm-hmm. Somebody's going to say you, you will be surprised. You know, Saudi was buying the cheap oil from Russia. Right. Use, uh, this is a fact. But so, so I mean, if you've got to, you've got to dissect this by, uh, by, by, by two scalpels, not just one scalpel. One of the scalpel yes. is, yes, and, and, and it's a weak argument, yes, it was cheaper, so people went and bought it. Second scalpel is a much more powerful scalpel. Russia was hurting. When Russia started hurting, they started selling it cheap. And I think that was the sanctions that had been put forward uh, you know, from so many nations, Russia had very little choice yeah, but to yeah. say, okay, I, we are making it for 12, but we're going to sell it for 11. Yeah. And other countries jumped. Jagat, go ahead, please. No, I guess uh, uh, just to, I guess not quite agreeing with uh, Chatriwala, but apparently uh, there was a talk of uh, 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 India buying a lot of oil from Russia and refine it uh, in uh, the Indian uh, refineries mm-hmm. and then sell it to the Euro- sell mm-hmm. it to European countries. Okay. Because uh, the, the, the European countries were not allowed to buy right. yeah. Russian oil. So with that kind of a scenario, Ukraine is right there, you know. Right. How did this affect Ukraine? Right. And so, I'm sure it did affect Ukraine this way. You know, so, so. so I think, Jagat Bhai, thank you for that insight. <laughs> and I don't want Chatriwala to take this any further. Because Chatriwala, I want right. to know about Ukraine. Yeah. Right. Ukraine seems to be such a lovely place, lovely culture, great people, uh, a, a world export of grain and sunflower seeds. We'd love to have the Consul General tell us a little yes, lovely, mean, pleasant, beautiful things about Ukraine. Look, please. I mean... You know, we don't have much time because I can talk for hours about our potential, <laughs> right? So, but I'll just give you a couple of examples how we were, even before the invasion, labeling Ukraine just an easy way to explain what Ukraine mm-hmm. is, right? So we were saying sometimes Ukraine is brains and grains. Right. So brains and grains. Thank you. Brains and grains. Because Ukraine is a very highly educated brains country. Brains and grains. Brains I like that. Grains. I like that. I like that, yes. I like that yes. catchy yes. word, yeah. It's a catchy, I mean, it's easy, easily explained because we, you know, like I think, you know, number three country in the world in terms of IT outsourcing. So we do a lot of IT work. Is it after India, though? Uh, we're competing <laughs> for the third place, I would say. say okay. There's a competition going on. Good deal. Right? So depending on who, who is counting. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. And which radio program you're <laughs> yeah, on. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But I mean, also, we, as you rightly said, I mean, we produce a lot of grain. And actually, you know, you could see from the news how the whole world was affected when Russia invaded Ukraine because we were not able Mm -hmm. to export grain from our ports. Russia blocked it. Oh, that's right. From Odessa, yeah. yeah. I mean, so many countries were affected, especially in Africa and some Asian countries, because they are dependent on uh, Ukrainian export, because we're top five uh, grain exporter in the world. That's why, I mean, any, you know, disruption in our supply to the world affects the markets, affects a lot of countries. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's only grains. But it's big, it's important. We also produce a lot of honey. We also produce a lot of, you know, you can easily find it actually here, even in Texas, going right. to some of the stores. If you uh, read at the back, you can see that sometimes it's uh, honey from Ukraine. So, but uh, on another thing, we have a great potential in energy too. We actually, in terms of reserves of you know, proven reserves of gas and oil were the second largest reserves in Europe after Norway. Oh, wow. Yeah, wow. But I mean, you know, after, you know, you mentioned, like, you know, being the second biggest after, uh, in Europe after Russia, I would disagree because only tiny part of Russia is in Europe. Only tiny part. Gotcha. The rest of it is right. in Ooh. Asia. Right. It's a Eurasian, right? right so, right. I mean, by this, we are the biggest country mm-hmm. in Europe and on the European continent because the whole country is in, is in Europe. Gotcha. So, we have uh, the largest <laughs> reserves, uh, gas reserves uh, for natural gas, and it makes us a natural hub for, you know, exploration and production. And that's, uh, that's why we, we see a lot of potential in doing business here in Texas and Houston and, uh, you know, bigger. Houston, greater Houston area because there is a great potential when the situation allows for the Texas Mm -hmm. companies, Houston companies, to go for exploration and production in Ukraine. Absolutely. Now, because we've got 30 seconds, tell us about tourism and the people who love to come to Europe how, how safe is it right now to go to Ukraine 
And what, what are you expecting people to see out well, there? Well, I mean, look, Ukraine is a great tourist destination. We have beautiful nature, mountains, uh, you know, the Black Sea, mm-hmm. a lot of rivers, lakes. It's a very green country. You know, there's a great hospitality. Ukrainian cuisine is amazing. I mean, it's on the par with the best European restaurants. The service is excellent. The prices are cheap. So, But, of course, right now we are uh, during the war. I mean, right. if you go to the major cities... Uh, like, you know, you go to the capital, Kiev. Uh, if you don't hear the sirens uh, saying that Russia is attacking uh, the, the, the capital with right. drones, uh, Iranian drones, by the way, or right. with missiles, then you would not even think that Take the country that. is yeah. at war because the life goes on, everything works, people go to work. Yeah. It's just that, you know, There's from time war. to time, yeah. the, you know, uh, rockets are being sent to major cities, especially in, uh, you know, last couple of weeks. Uh, so that's why, I mean, it's not completely safe. But I hope that everybody will be able to visit Ukraine after the situation allows. Yeah. Uh, you know, one, one hour... Last, 